never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay, and it is late at night. It is thundering and storming, and I was lying in my son's room, and I was realizing how much weight my past has on me, and I wanted to talk about it. And sometimes I use the podcast to process, and I also want to encourage anyone who may be feeling the same way, where you feel suffocated by your past decisions, or you feel overwhelmed by the regret and remorse that you carry. And I think all of us have a lot of life that we've lived. We have a lot of decisions that we've made, and sometimes they aren't pleasant. And so I want to share a little bit about my thoughts, and then I want to share four ways that you can work through this remorse, regret, shame, embarrassment, and four tips essentially that I want you to remember before you leave. So if I tried to count the ways that or the number of times that I've embarrassed myself, I would probably run out of paper. It was a lot. And I also hurt a lot of people and I broke a lot of relationships and I have a lot of friendships that we kind of pretend to be okay, but we really aren't okay. And there's just not a lot of closure, but there's also no communication and not necessarily because of anything that has been done by either party, but just because life is weird and things change. And so it's just been a process for me to try to walk through the healing when maybe there isn't closure or maybe there is no way to apologize because I've apologized to as many people as I possibly could and some were forgiving and some were not and that is their decision to make and I have to work through these feelings with God and so Jesse and I were recently driving home. We went on a vacation to Florida with the boys and the boys had fallen asleep in the car 
And we always try to have, you know, kind of intimate conversations as often as we can just to stay on the same level as one another, make sure we know what's going on in the other person's head. And I had been feeling a lot of this regret. And I asked him, I said, hey, is there anybody in your past that you think about a lot? Is there anything in your past that you think about a lot? And he said, yes, (laughs) absolutely. And he said, it's not in like when I think of ex-girlfriends, it's not in a romantic way. It's in a way of like what I did to hurt them. Or if I think of old friendships that of people I don't talk to anymore, I think of what I did to embarrass myself in front of them. And I laughed because as he told me the story, some of them were very (laughs) embarrassing and some of them were funny. But I also realized like, gosh, there really is this constant weight that follows us throughout our lives of the things and the decisions that we've made. And I think that we all think when we're 12, 15, 16, that once we get married and have kids and live this life, that all of these decisions are going to just disappear. But they don't, right? They just don't. Um, That's not how life works. You remember them. The relationships you were in, you gave them a piece of your heart. Some you gave a piece of your body, a piece of your mind. And that you'll never get that back. And that's why I always encourage single girls, you know, protect your heart, protect your mind, protect your body because, and single guys, because you're never going to get that back. But as Jesse and I spoke on this drive, we kind of connected on a lot of these things and we both confessed things to one another that we've never told anybody because it's just too embarrassing to talk about. For me, it was many, you know, drunken nights before being a Christian. And it's crazy. I really, I don't talk about this much. Um, I've like held it so close to me and I don't know why I talk about everything else, but these are things that, I mean, truly haunt me, my dreams, my thoughts, my everyday, normal, joyful life. They will just seep in. But there were just a lot of nights I made really dumb decisions when I was drinking specifically and I said things to people. I acted a total fool. Um, I blacked out. I went to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. What else? I mean, the list is endless. And the things that I said to people, I specifically have this memory of a roommate that I lived with. And I drank way too much. And we were having a party at our apartment. And I said something hurtful, no joke, to every single person there. And it was just like I wrote it off as me just being honest. And and it, everyone like was laughing and joking it off. But you guys, I woke up the next day. I've never wanted to crawl in a hole more in my life and was told what I said from people. And it was like kind of all this stored up judgy thoughts that I had as a non-believer of all these people in my life and that I never spoke out. And they just all came pouring out that night apparently. And I will just never forget how awful, just how awful, awful, awful that night was. And it just bothers me so much. And I've apologized to those people again and again, And but it doesn't go away, right? And so I think of all these things and there's just so many of them that I wish I could, (laughs) I'm like, let's just have like tea time guys. And I'll tell you all the stories, but you know, the night where I went to the hospital, 
I, it was my 16th birthday and somebody got me a very uh, – just a bottle of vodka, like strawberry or something. And I have no idea why. I thought this was a good idea, but I made it a mission to drink the entire bottle in one night. I don't know if someone like challenged me, but I had some friends who were saying, do not do that, Lindsay. That is not wise. Don't do that. But it turned into just the worst night ever. And I really damaged a friendship that night by sharing something that was not mine to share. And I, you know, got caught up. Apparently, I was like in the middle of the road somewhere and don't recall that. I was also wearing a skirt, so that's horrible. And got the cops called on a party. You guys, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> It's so bad. I laugh now, but I'm not laughing inside. And then I was in the car with this like ex-boyfriend, kind of boyfriend, not really boyfriend, but like ex-thing and just made an utter fool of myself. And just with alcohol, you know, it, it makes you make a fool. And I went inside. I had drank obviously way too much, a full bottle within like 15 minutes. And he called my parents and told them what happened. And so not only <laughs> not only do my parents catch me completely drunk, I w- had it in my head for some reason that if I told them I had been drugged, then they wouldn't think I was drinking, like, like I was putting the blame onto someone else. But obviously, I'm telling my parents at 16 years old that I've been drugged So instead of them dealing with a girl who's had too much to drink, they have to take me to the hospital to get me tested for drugs and roofies or whatever it was. And so it's the middle of the night. My mom wakes up, my poor mom and stepdad and my dad and my stepmom, and they take me to the hospital. And, oh, I was awful at the hospital. I was like yelling. I don't remember. I've just been told. And obviously there were no drugs in my system because I made that up. And I had to pay for my hospital bill the next morning. Anyway, I share all of this because I think with the platform that I have, people assume and and what I do, right? I share about Jesus and the restoration that he's brought to my life, which is very real. The fact that I can even talk about these things (laughs) to literally hundreds of thousands of people is wild to me because I never thought I would, but that's just the freedom he's brought to my life because that's not who I am anymore, but that doesn't mean they go away. And as I've prayed through this for years, 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 I've been reminded of the same thing over and over and over again. And it is that the best thing I can do to get over my past is to get over myself. So I want to encourage you in love. The best thing you can do to get over that shame, the embarrassment, the pain that you may have caused, the decisions that you've made is to get over yourself. It is to stop looking at yourself and to instead stare at someone much more beautiful and awe-inspiring than you, which I know in selfie culture is not popular. It is popular to stare at ourselves in our phone, right? Or to take a picture of ourselves even in front of a beautiful monument. We don't sit in front of that monument and relish it. Instead, we want a picture of ourselves in it because we're all about self. And yet there is an awe-inspiring God right now as I'm recording in my room. I'm listening outside to this 
thunderous, amazing storm. It is roaring. And all I can do is think about the majesty of God and how much bigger he is than me. And I think sometimes we just need that reminder. We need the reminder to set our hearts and eyes on Christ and what he has done and how big he is rather than setting our eyes on the lives that we've lived, the mistakes that we've made and what we have done. We are broken. He is a healer. We are ashamed. He is a restorer. We are lonely. His spirit brings fellowship. We are ultimately weak, weak and depraved, and he is strong and omnipotent. And in those things, when we remember that, when we take our eyes off of ourselves and we set our eyes on him, we really do lose sight of the shame that the enemy is holding over us. And it gives us the power by his grace to rebuke that shame and that brokenness that weighs on us so heavily and to instead worship him, to worship in the thick of the pain, to worship in the regret, to worship in in the confusion and the brokenness of relationships and to just worship when we don't understand, when we don't know how to move forward, when all we can think about are the decisions that we've made or the friendships we no longer have or that broken relationship that meant so much to us. And I speak to this not from a place of having achieved it. And I I truly want to share with you, you know, as I share these things very openly about my past, that it is from a place of heartbreak, from pain, from wishing I could do it all over again but also from a place of really deeply desiring to get my mind and my focus off of myself. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I, God, I am doing a new thing. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of what? People will be lovers of themselves. They'll be lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You guys, do we not see this everywhere on social media? This boastful, abusive to others, to other Christians, to other brothers and sisters in Christ, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, unforgiving, all of these things. But more than anything, the first part of this says people will be lovers of themselves. And sometimes I think it takes this breaking down the root issue of why we feel the way that we do in order to help us. Because if I'm honest, the reason that I feel so strongly by this is because I am driven by people's approval. I'm driven by their love for me. But what does God say? If I have man's approval, then I am not trying to please God. I'm trying to please man. And that is where the sin lies. That's where my idolatry lies in the approval of other people. It's me in all my deepest honesty. 
It's me wanting to go back and prove to them that I'm not that person anymore. It's wanting to show them that I was doing those things out of brokenness and out of loneliness and out of desire for love rather than looking like an absolute fool in those moments. And then the meanness and the cruelty, I don't even know where that came from. That was just my heart at the time, honestly. But I wish I could go back and I could take that night back and I could not drink and I could not say those things and not embarrass myself in front of those guys or not make those decisions with those guys. And and I, I do that to myself and I reel and I spin and I allow my mind to just get sucked in by the enemy and by the desire to fix it all. When God says, I have Lindsay, I have restored it. I have made you new. I have made all things new in your life. You are no longer stuck in that sin, in that shame. You are new. But that does not mean that you have to go back. Though you've asked for forgiveness and repentance is absolutely crucial, we are not the people who are going to have to fix every single mistake we've ever made. God has never called us to that. But what we can do is move forward toward what's ahead. We can seek out the restoration and redemption that God wants us to live in. But once we have responded to that in obedience, we have to move forward and get our eyes off of ourselves because that is the root. We're embarrassed because we want people to think a certain way of us. If we feel like they don't like us anymore, that root of rejection is what's eating away at us. There's always a root that goes deeper and deeper than the actual circumstance itself. And Luke 9.62 says, But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We are not to look back at the old life and the old sin that we lived in that maybe felt more fun or more enticing or more exciting. That means when we are living that way, we are not setting our eyes on what is ahead, on what is forward. So when we struggle with this, I want to give some practical help and then I'm going to close out. Things to remember that might help you that have slowly (laughs) been helping me. So number one, by remembering that Christ died for a million regrets, that we have the kind of savior and the kind of salvation that says to the thief on the cross just hours before he died, today you will be with me in paradise in Luke twenty two forty three, This thief on the cross did not spend years reconciling the mistakes that he had made, talking to everyone that he had hurt, doing all of the, the work to make amends because our faith is not based on works, but by, by faith alone. Our relationship with Jesus is by faith alone. And so we have to think of it just before this man dies. He realizes that everything, everything in his past is regrettable everything. Nothing was done by faith. Nothing was done for the glory of Christ. And still he will be with Jesus forever welcomed. So let me challenge you with a question. If you're struggling to forgive yourself for something, I want you to ask this. And this is, this was posed to me years ago at my old church. And it really, really impacted me. If the God of the universe is willing to forgive you because of his blood that he shed on the cross, his death on the cross, he gave his own body and he says, you, whoever is listening right now, you are forgiven. 
You are loved. You are washed white as snow. That is the gospel. Who are you, friends, to not forgive yourselves? That is blasphemy to say, yes, the God of the universe, the God who created me, the God who died for my sins says that I am forgiven because of what he did, but I still can't forgive myself. That is making us greater than God, putting our forgiveness in a position higher than that of God's. And it is sinful. God says you're forgiven. We have to choose an obedience to accept and receive that forgiveness. Number two, remember that your memory deceives you and your heart is deceitful above all things, according to Jeremiah 17, 9. Our memories are really tainted. You know how you like don't see that friend for a really, really long time and you either romanticize them in a way that really doesn't fit or you demonize them in a way that may not fit? Our minds tend to work against us and for us. Really, self-preservation is the ultimate goal, but that also works against us because it damages relationships. And so with our memory, we have to remember that some of those things that we did Though we may be absolutely humiliated by them, they are probably not remembered by most of the people who were around because what's the rule of thumb? Everyone's always thinking about themselves. So when they walk into a party, they're not thinking about what that other person is doing, though I'm sure it's a great story and the things that I did have probably been told around the dinner table (laughs) maybe once or twice amongst friends. And that is what it is. I can't do anything about that. But what I can say is that most people are probably thinking about what they had going on. And I see it as the end all be all, the ultimate thing. The only thing people saw that night was my foolishness. And yes, they saw it, but that's not everything because they're thinking about themselves. And so my memory as I magnify these situations to be so much more than what they were, my heart also deceives me in feeling like these people hate me. They have these horrible thoughts of me. If they think of me, they're sick to their stomach, you know, and some of that may be true. And that's not mine to carry, even if that's the case, because God has changed my life. He's changed my heart. I am in a completely different realm, you know, a different season. I have children and I'm a mama. And the same goes for all of the people who may have hurt me or embarrassed themselves in front of me. I may think like, ooh, that girl was not very nice. But do I think that there's been no transformation or change in her life? No, I'm sure of it. I'm sure that there's been growth and maturity because we're human beings. So don't allow your heart to deceive you or your mind or your memory to deceive you in magnifying or even diminishing the things that are not that way. Number three, remember that it's good to remember the past so that you don't repeat it in your future. This is our history lesson, right? That's why we read history books so we don't repeat the past. Regret and embarrassment can be used, though they're painful, to keep us from falling back into those same sins again and again. So while the enemy wants to use them to break you, these memories or this embarrassment or this remorse, God uses it to restore you and to grow you and to make you better and ultimately to remind you of his goodness in the thick of your depravity and weakness. So again, in those moments when the enemy has hold and you have bad dreams or bad memories, use that time to worship God for all that he has done in your life since that point. 
give him the glory. Do not give all the glory to the enemy with the brokenness of your story. Give God the glory of the story that has been redeemed and fixed and made new. Lastly, number four, remember that forgetting what lies behind us means pushing forward toward the goal of Christ by his grace. So Paul said this in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. That is, I haven't become perfect. I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I just want to tell you guys, I love you. We all have our junk, right? We have all done really stupid, idiotic, (laughs) horrible things. But we can laugh in the light of it when we have repented and we have, I mean, not laugh at people's hurt or expense, but laugh at the decisions that we made that were embarrassing because God has done a work. And I think sometimes that's what we need to do. Like when Jesse and I were driving home from that trip that we were kind of laughing at one another and the decisions that we made. And when I told him a story, he's like, whoa, (laughs) that one is pretty bad. That is intense. And I think that you beat me. And I'm like, no, you totally beat me on the other one. And it gave it a lightheartedness that I really, really needed. And I think that that communication sometimes just to encourage you in that, maybe that could be the fifth point to speak these things out and to not let them have a hold on you. Because as I always say, once it's in the light, it loses its power over you. So allow yourself to have that freedom by maybe confessing to someone and sharing with someone, even if it's not in a lighthearted way or you're weighted down by by these decisions, that maybe speaking them out to someone will just allow you to get out of your head and to feel like it's this all-consuming thing when somebody who listens to you can give you perspective and can help you to say, because even in some of the things I told Jesse, he was like, oh, that's not even that bad. That That's not a big deal. Or there were some where he's like, hey, have you apologized to her for that one? And I realized, no, actually I haven't. So I'm going to do that. But it's just those little things, the perspective and the community and the fellowship and the worship that brings healing and ultimately Take your eyes off of yourself, and I'm going to be working to do the same. Set your eyes on someone far more magnificent than you, and it will help you to serve others, to love others, and to get your focus off of yourself. So that is pretty much it. (laughs) If you guys are struggling and feel haunted by your past, I just pray that this encouraged you. I pray that you will take a moment to just sit with God and work through some of those things. Take pen to paper and journal down those thoughts and release them, rip it up, throw it in the fire, whatever you have to do and ask God for healing and to replace those memories with the positive memories or to lead you to repentance and asking for forgiveness from the people that you owe that to. Um, If you enjoyed this episode or if you feel like somebody might need to hear it, someone in your life needs to hear the truth and the goodness of the gospel and the freedom that it brings, please do share it with a friend or family or share it on social and tag me. It means so much to see you know, how this podcast is impacting people and how God is using it to do so. And also just to know that you guys are sharing with the people in your life to encourage them and lift them up and to point them to Jesus. So I love y'all. I hope you forgive me for the mess that I used to be. And I appreciate you being a place where I can freely 
genuinely just share my life and my honesty and my own brokenness that exists in all of us. So I love you guys and I'll talk to you next time.